folks, and welcome to the tailgate. For those of you just joining us, we're on a road trip across America to uncover the mysteries behind tall tales, fairy tales, folk tales, fish tales, and urban legends, one interview at a time. We inherited a truck from our late Granny Mae and discovered that the crystal hanging out the rear view mirror was more than just decorative. It was a dowsing pendulum leading us to the good folks behind the tales we all grew up with. With that, I'm Harrison, the Florida man. And I'm Aaron DeCheesehead. And today, we are parked at the Lake Helen Cemetery amidst the spiritualist capital of the world, Casadega, in the Sunshine State. And before we get down to business, what are we drinking today, Cheesehead? Today's brewskis are called Lucifer Golden Ale. It's Belgian. Now you know who else is Belgian. King Leopold II. Yikes. Uh, yeah, that guy can con- go to hell. Uh, I was going to say Tintin. Remember when we cosplayed Tintin and uh, Haddock at Dragon Con, like, what, five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago? Blistering blue barnacles do I ever! It was a snowy day. I can't wait for Katshi to hear that impression, and hey, it's always a snowy day for Tintin. Hey, well, unless you're French. <laughs> Anywho, this brew's got a golden color and almost velvety head. It's Pretty balanced in terms of fruitiness and hops. Plus, this one kind of packs a punch. Lucifer Blonde Ale is a heavyweight, jabbing your jaw with 8% ABV. Just don't go drinking it all at once. Not just yet. We had to save some for our graveyard guest. So what exactly are we doing in the middle of a cemetery with a cooler of beer? Because I feel like this is just another Florida man headline waiting to happen. It probably is, but there's a legend in these parts, Cheesehead. A ghost story surrounding the very chair we're sitting on. Well, let's describe this chair for our listeners real quick, because it is not exactly conventional. It's more of a bench, really. It's basically a broad armchair constructed out of red brick and cement, said to be constructed by the devil himself. Curious enough, there are other identical brick chairs in this cemetery, so I hope we pick the right one. For photos and more of the Devil's Chair, check us out on Instagram at the Tailgate Podcast. What does it mean to be a Devil's Chair anyway? Well, story goes that if you sit on the Devil's Chair at midnight, the Devil himself will speak to you. And if you leave a beer, it'll be gone by morning. Gone? Gone. Some even claim that the beers were sitting exactly where they left them the night before, unopened, only completely empty of its delicious golden contents. Whew, I didn't know that the devil was a raging alcoholic. Yeah, it's better than a murderer, I guess. Well, the versions state that if you sit on the devil's chair, you only have three days to live, so let's just optimistically think that the devil's just an alky. Uh, what's that? Oh, it's my alarm. It means it's midnight. Who dares oh, rest on the devil's chair? Uh, howdy, sir, and uh, welcome to the tailgate. Yeah, we're on a road trip across America to uncover the mysteries behind tall tales, fairy tales, folk tales, fish, fish tales. Silence! Oh, you got... Whoop, sorry. Beg your pardon, sir. Didn't mean you no harm. Yeah, we're just a couple of podcasters hoping for an interview with you. Oh, a couple of podcasters, you say? Yes, in that case, I shall grant your wish for an interview. Ah, jeez, thanks. That'd be real keen. For a second there, I thought you were going In to... hell, where I banish thee both in three days' time for disturbing the Prince of Darkness, for I doth curse thee to a torturous eternity within thine... 
Is that an ale? Uh, yeah, I uh, I tend to drink when I'm scared, shitless. We got a whole cooler of it. Want some? Well, now, do not mind if I do. What do we have here? None of that cheap stuff, I hope. You know, I'm a bit of a connoisseur. If you're going to be the master of a vice, you might as well have some class about it, I say. It's called Lucifer, a Belgian strong ale. I hear it's pretty quality stuff. Oh, you boys know how to flatter me, but you are aware there is a beer named after me called Devil's Chair IPA by, was it, Red Cypress Brewery, I believe. Yeah, and I was, that was actually a great IPA. Uh, they made beer for Spook Hill, too. It's, it's another old haunt in Central Florida. But uh, Red Cypress ain't in business no more, as far as I know. Damn shame. Damn shame. I must admit you fellows did good here. Spared no expense with these fine beverages. This is a top shelf as far as I'm concerned, which comes as a surprise as I would never have taken you two for men of taste based on looks alone. No offense. Nah, I don't get that a lot. We're just glad you like it, sir. Ah, let's forego the formalities for the time being. You young men have amused me just enough to consider not punishing you to an eternity of damnation and servitude. Ah, gee, thanks, Mr. Devil. That is, uh, pretty swell. Er, no? Call me Dev, but for the record, you were wrong about me. You mean you ain't actually a murderer? Oh, no, no, no. You may rest quite assured that I am definitely a murderer, but you referenced me as a, quote, raging alcoholic. (coughs) Which is simply untrue. I am a functioning alcoholic. Well, I'll be a sheared sheep in a snowstorm. I was about to offer you a bottle opener, but you're chucking that brew with the bottle still sealed. That's... (coughs) It's what I do. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, Florida man, can I do you for a bottle opener? Eh, No thanks, cheesehead. I got one right here. I never leave the truck without it. Mm. Cheers to finally having summoners with refined taste in the drink. Here, here. Man, cheers to you, Dev, for hopefully not cursing us by the end of this whole shindig. I should describe you really quick for our listeners, or at least describe you as best I can. You're dressed exceptionally dapper, like those kooks who storm theme parks every spring dressed like extras from Mary Poppins. (laughs) Yeah, uh, only your face ain't any one particular thing. You look handsome, and brilliant, gross, and devious. It's like your form's shifting so quickly you embody every human element at once. Because I am... I am the complete embodiment of the world, of freedom, the antithesis of clarity and focus, curiosity incarnate. Well, why then you reckon so many pictures of you are always some red, naked dude with uh, hooves and horn and whatnot? Pictures of me aren't always as you described. At least they weren't always. The Bible describes me very little. In fact, most holy works describe physical features of their characters vaguely as a general rule being more focused on messages and motives. I don't believe it was until the uh, Middle Ages where the image transformed me into that of the cloven-hoofed devil you all know and love today. Mm, not so sure about that loved part. With little to work with, literary revisionists picked pieces from figures of dead religions such as Pan to craft this hooved, winged, Frankensteinian image of me to scare the free thought out of the indoctrinated. One might argue the godfather of your nightmarish imagery links back to Dante's Inferno, who described you as a winged creature with three faces, being that of Judas, Brutus, and Cassius. Well, that is an oddly specific trio of faces. 
Dante's Inferno took liberties, yes, but he never passed it off as factual. It was a known work of fiction, even if it did help cement my portrait as a horror beyond imagination. Yeah, while we're on religion, I actually grew up Pentecostal, a uh, denomination of the Christian Protestantism pretty abundant in the American South. Uh, we was always taught that you were the snake from the Garden of Eden, the original antagonist uh, in the Bible. Then I had a professor in college, fluent in Greek and Hebrew, and he said the only the New Testament authors tied you back to that creature, and that you were never assumed to be the serpent in the original Hebrew. So, what's up with that? Yeah, what's up with that? He is correct. But let's just talk about the Bible for a moment. It was inspired by true events, absolutely, but written and canonized by men who were rarely, if ever, primary sources. I mean, Genesis has two different versions of Adam and Eve, for Pete's sake. Was I the serpent? No. Was there even a serpent? Who cares? Humans are, by nature of free will, uh, ferociously curious beings. I mean, look at you two lubberworts. You summoned the actual devil for a silly little podcast. Oh, now, hey, wait just a moment there, Dev. You, you, well, uh, you, well, you aren't wrong. Of yeah, course, wrong. of course I'm not wrong. So, why a serpent, then? Let me ask, do you love snakes? I do not particularly love snakes. No, I did find seven snakes uh, around my house in a single day once, though, two of which were mating behind my washer and dryer. Actually, you know, Florida cities annually have to shut down parks and such due to poisonous snake orgies like water moccasins. They're pretty sneaky and quite deadly. Precisely. Snakes are a common threat among man and beasts. I'd wager the only reason the serpent was penned into the narrative by man was to take some sort of blame off of themselves, using snakes as a scapegoat. Snakes are scary, and who better to carry the blame? I never thought about it like that before. Insightful perspective. Serpents do tend to get a pretty nasty rep. Jormungandr, the foil to Thor and Ragnarok, Medusa in Greek mythology... What, the legend of St. Patrick ridding Ireland of snake-rampant infestations? Yes, because there are so many snakes in Ireland. You know those cold-blooded reptiles love temperate islands with an average temperature of 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-mm. <laughs> All right, well, while several legends are so deeply rooted in the past that we have to take these hand-me-down stories with a grain of kosher salt... <laughs> Many of the unfortunate souls who have summoned you here, or know someone who summoned you here, live in the modern times. Unlike other one-sided scriptures, newspaper articles, police reports, what have you, some witnesses are actually taken to the internet to discuss their experiences with you. Yeah, we live in an age almost dictated by social media, so it's no surprise that much of your legacy still thrives in the digital world. Wait, people are talking about me? Me and this chair here? Yeah. Impossible. My ears detect any mention of any of my many names. The Devil, Satan, Mephistopheles, Lord of the Flies, Moloch, Antichrist, King of Tyr, Satan, Mara, El Diablo. Why, the very fact that I'm summoned here right now is proof enough. Well, we say talk, uh, but reckon it's a tad misleading. People mostly type on the internet. On the internet, you say? Yeah, huh? I see, I see. Might I perhaps... Borrow your internet? Well, you can't just borrow the internet. It's open to anyone with a phone or a computer. But I possess not one of these earthly wares. Might I temporarily commandeer one of your cellular devices to gaze upon those who wish to so flippantly speak my name? Type your name. Type my name. 
And yeah, uh, let me just find a local forum for you. And uh, boom shakalaka. Yeah, there you go. I see not the mentioning of my unholy title anywhere upon this illuminated manuscript. Well, that's because you have to scroll, don't you know? Scroll? This is far less intuitive than any scroll, I tell you. Forgive me, for I know very little of these mechanical totems of technomacy. I understand the concept behind them, of course, but I quite often become lost in the nuances. And there's always a learning curve, believe you me. That's why they call them smartphones. Is that a slight to imply that I, Beelzebub, Lord of the Wickedness, lack the intelligence to operate this, this self-proclaimed smartphone? For if so, I shall curse you to the end of days. Oh, no, 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 sorry. They're called smartphones only because they allow for applications and internet usage as opposed to being glorified walkie-talkies. It's no biggie. Just use your pointer finger there to scroll down the page. I'm hearing what you're saying. What was it again? A cheesehead. Cheesehead, oh, right. But as you can see, it is simply not working. This device must be faulty manufacturer's error, perhaps? I've attempted numerous times now to command the screen with my clawed digits, as your very own eyeballs can attest. Yeah, but you seem more scratching the screen with your nail than actually scrolling the page. Yeah, hope you got one of them screen protectors. Sure don't. Mm. Nonsense. I performed precisely as instructed. I shall attempt this one last time. So help me, and it had better work before I rain fire and brimstone upon you. Oh, there we go. Never mind. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Learning curve, just like you said. Jumping Jesus. What? Jesus where? Who invited him? <laughs> just a figure of speech, Dev. Just chill. Just chill? Have you read Revelations? Just chill? You just chill. Ah, I believe I found my name on the internet at last. Oh, and here it is, right there. Oh, isn't this exciting? This fellow who appears to be named Drunk Crunkle 6669 states, <laughs> I passed out on the devil's chair one night, and by the time I woke up, what remained of my six-pack had been drunk completely. Oddly enough, none of the cans had been removed from their plastic rings. Ooh, nice touch, leaving the rings intact. That'll spook them for sure. Ah, hold the phone, as who you say. For one chode muffin, one eight two doth replied. Dat probs just yo drunk as done drank dem beers. Well, that's entirely incorrect. It was mine drunk as done drank dem beers. How dare this chode muffin bequeath credit <laughs> to drunk crunkle six 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 nine for my own handiwork? Oh, you can't take what they're saying too personal, Dev. Chode muffin is more than likely just a troll. Ah. Yes, that explains it. Trolls are vile, nasty creatures, though I do delight in their destructive nature. Oh, look here, boys. Skate... Oh, that one's Skater Girl. Yeah, SK-8. Ah, yes. No vowels for her. Very well, then. Skater Girl wrote, I grew up with the rumor that if you sat in the devil's chair, you would die in three days. Well, yes, quite likely if you don't arrive with an offering of good spirits, but I digress. Skater Girl continues in saying, I know a kid from school who was dared to sit in the devil's chair one night, and he did pass away, which only adds to the rumor's credibility. Yikes. Do not yikes me. He summoned the devil without any offerings whatsoever. That's on him. Now, some of the comments I read claimed that some people experienced crippling anxiety attacks upon sitting in your chair. <laughs> Weirdos. Twas none of mine doing. Sounds like they just need to go to the doctor and get checked. 
Well, I read some comments that a dark figure said to uh, be seen sitting in your chair, scaring off anyone dumb enough to get close. And that others speculate that you're just sitting in the chair because you're lazy? Lazy? How dare they? Being Lord of Darkness is hard work, after all. Is it a sin now to partake in a brief moment of relaxation after a long day's labor? And before you search your own ill-informed conjecture, the answer is no. Yeah, gonna have to take your word on that one, boss. As you should. While urban legends surrounding the Devil's Chair are certainly mostly ominous, some do meet these dark tales with skepticism. For instance, another group of students from Stetson claim to have tried sitting in this here chair one Halloween night, only to find the road leading to the cemetery blocked by mysterious figures. They speculated that these folks were local mediums trying to communicate with the dead. I mean, they're mediums. Communicating with the dead is kind of what they do. To set the record straight, I do not haunt this particular chair, or any chair for that matter. I simply tend to make appearances when my name is invoked. Fact of the matter is that this chair just happens to be a hotspot for invocation. Well, that checks, actually, because according to my research, this graveyard here is blocked from the public every Halloween by guards, appointed to keep the dinglings like curious college kids out. And according to Lewis Gates, a Casadega medium and folklorist, the legend of the Devil's Chair is just a ghost story made up by children, or perhaps by teens and adults to scare children. He explained in Weird U.S. that the chair's origins date back to the 1920s, when a man lost his wife abruptly and visited the cemetery to sit beside her grave on a darn near daily basis. Because of arthritis and age, this became increasingly difficult for him, so he constructed this chair and its siblings for mourning folk to find comfort. As I continue reading here, one commenter even alleged that the man who paved the chair passed away on it, perhaps making it haunted in its own right. I have never seen this man myself, but I likely wouldn't if he ended up on the other side of the afterlife. Where hopefully I end up as well. Uh, so, So you, the devil himself, said you don't personally haunt this chair... So, why you reckon so many rumors persist that you do? You mentioned before that this is, indeed, a spiritualist camp. This is their home, their livelihood. They take their practices quite seriously. Then along comes some caravan of inebriated college freshmen reaching into mummy and daddy's pockets to fuel their empty sacks with liquid courage. I have a mind to nominate Casadega's own locals for scaring off much of the riffraff. I gotta agree with you there. What you're referring to is called legend tipping, a term coined in the 1970s regarding a youthful rite of passage. It's become so prevalent here that visitation to the graveyard is prohibited after dark. It's even patrolled by police and locals from time to time. Yeah, seems less an example of the occult, and more an example of a rightfully pissed-off neighborhood. Which begs the question, how did you two sneak in here after dusk? At first, we just asked permission only to be promptly declined and told to scram. But then one of the mediums noticed our Granny May's pendulum hanging off the truck mirror and had a sudden change of heart. Well, that's just fucking weird. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, you kind of think of it, it kind of kind of is, but it worked nonetheless, uh, here we are. Uh, look, I hate to be that guy, but some knuckle-dragging simpleton in Chicago is trying to summon me, and I'd hate to keep the doomed little soul waiting. Ah, hopefully they at least brought you some good beer. Before you go, and speaking of doomed souls, I gotta ask. How'd we do? Did we pass the devil's curse? (laughs) Oh, Like like fire and brimstone? No, no, this shit's fire. Seriously, boys. Lest we be so dramatic. 
consider the curse lifted. And hey, if you ever hmm. stumble upon another devil's chair, do hit me up. You mean there are other devil's chairs? Surely you jest. They're literally everywhere. One could practically trip over them. In fact, the little imp trying to summon me in the Windy City sits upon one now. Hmm. Good to know. We'll keep a lookout for you later on down the line. And for you folks at home, thanks for listening. Feel free to shoot us an email at the Tailgates Podcast. Feel free. <laughs> Feel free to shoot us an email at the Tailgate Podcast at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram at the Tailgate Podcast for photos, cast info, updates, and more. Be sure to return in two weeks for our next episode. See you later, Tailgaters. In hell! I kid, I kid. Ah, jeez. This guy. <laughs>Thank you all for joining us on our latest episode of the Tailgate Podcast. Dev of the Devil's Chair is played by Tommy Schwanfelder. Aaron the Cheesehead is played by Aaron Sherry. You can check him out on his YouTube channel, so can you. Harrison the Florida Man is played by Harrison Foreman. Check him out in Prague. Theme song was performed by Matt Jones. This episode was written by Harrison Foreman and edited by Aaron Sherry.